0: the British people have made a very clear decision to take a different path and as such I think the country requires fresh leadership to take it in this
1: direction. Brexit means Brexit and we're going to make a success of it.
2: Do we remember that? Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of The Political Natter. I'm Jack Carson. I'm joined by our usual lovely guests Thomas Gregory and Harry Perdoe and say hello boys hello boys Right, <laughs> <What>, lads <laughs> so do we all remember that moment back in 2016 the uk had voted to leave the european union david cameron said he wasn't the man for the job and then in comes after a leadership election tessie theresa big mrs may to sort out this whole brexit saga but she realizes we need a general election but it wasn't always like that because she went from this
1: I'm not going to be calling a snap election. To suddenly this. the government should call a general election.
2: And this is where we have the 2017 snap general election on our hands.
1: Not another one!
2: It's the 18th of April, 2017, boys. She has 331 MPs. She tries to increase her majority. The day of the election comes. <laughs> Labour have increased their big vote share. The final tally is 318 seats. For the Conservatives, 262 for Labour is a hung parliament. She relies on the 10 DUP MPs to get a minority government formed. What on earth went wrong in that general election? It's
3: a catastrophe.
2: little mini series is while this whole coronavirus pandemic is going on we thought we'd take a trip down memory lane to to a time when things were much simpler (laughs) so we're going to take a trip down memory lane we're going to start with Theresa May's snap election and we're going to eventually work our way up to Boris taking us out of the European Union but let's go all the way back boys what on earth goes wrong for Theresa May in that general election
3: Well, Theresa May made some big mistakes with her campaign. And it wasn't really just her. It was also the people around her, because the campaign itself was based quite heavily on Theresa May. And that was the the kind of crux of the problem, because even though she did have good qualities... Uh, in the sense that she was dutiful, she was stern. She did come across at the start as fairly strong and stable. Strong and stable. Strong and stable.
1: Strong and stable. Strong and stable. Strong and stable. Strong and stable. Strong and stable, strong and stable, strong and stable leadership. Although uh,
2: she looks like she's she's made of breadsticks,
1: she was a touch on the awkward side, and she wasn't much
3: of a political teacher, as they say. But the biggest problem was that she said about Brexit, but she didn't say, look, we're also the party of the economy. She was saying that we can like make some nice reforms after Brexit's out of the way, but they overdid her.
2: And... I think because if you focus on a campaign on Theresa May, but then you have her dodge TV debates because they think if she went up against Corbyn, it wouldn't look good on her. But then you focus, like you said, on her personality. But then her own campaign, don't let her do rallies in front of lots of people, only basically make her do a public appearance when she's either out doing leaflets, which she did few of, and kind of in official speeches. That's not going to win you a general election. It showed, and will eventually come onto this, when we talk about Boris, you need to be out there in the public eye. And that's why the Conservatives... Never, never beat the, the number of MPs that they wanted and, and even and lost them. You know, she was tough and flashy with this Brexit means Brexit.
1: Brexit means Brexit and we're going to make a success of it. Brexit means Brexit. I'm very clear Brexit does mean Brexit. As he says, we will make a success of it.
2: But when it came down to the crunch and when it came down to looking as this strong and stable, for Britain leader, she was almost like a rich tea biscuit dunked in water she just went all soggy well, she tried. <laughs> I like what I like what you said there though because touching on like the media side
0: of it in a day and age when appearing on TV in a debate influences so many when she turned things like that down she not only showed a, a lack of bottle she not only showed a lack of courage but in turn she showed a lack of leadership and so as Tom said this is a campaign built around one person And then when you don't live up to the expectations in the campaign itself, it's looking weak. On the other hand, regardless of your political opinion, Jeremy Corbyn ran a media masterclass and he totally did the social media aspect of things correctly. And he got so many young people interested, a few more voting, and he just overall made it a lot more exciting for the political environment. And I think that's why he gained... Uh, even,
2: it doesn't even matter if you disagree with his ideas as many people do I mean even if you look at the actual numbers Theresa May got more votes than you know John Major did back in 1992 but in terms of actually running the social media campaign like you said Harry I don't, late, since Gordon Brown Labour had, Labor had always been kind of Labour's always been considered the party of maybe the young but Jeremy Corbyn turned that party of being the young into the perfect platform for the young which was Twitter and social oh, yeah. media and you know, the Conservatives did definitely learn from that when Bojo called his general election. But for Theresa May, they were they were way too traditional with their campaign against a kind of new vibrancy of, of general election campaigning. And they thought they can do it like David Cameron when, you know, Le- David Cameron was always going to almost get back in as prime minister. He just never knew if it was going to be a majority. Tom? She
3: wasn't tried out very well on the campaign trail either because when she was becoming the leader all of the other contestants around her fell by the wayside. So she wasn't really trialed. Mm. And on the media point, maybe she had less practice with that and it didn't come very naturally to her. And as a result, she really underperformed compared to what was expected. And Corbin overperformed in this instance. Uh, same can't be said later on. He really did mm. uh, end up w- with the expectations. <laughs> and, the biscuits and maybe turned around because Bojo worse. became
2: a, Bojo became a hobnob. Bojo became a big, sturdy hobnob, and, and Jeremy became the rich tea. But we'll go on to biscuits it's later right, on. <laughs> yeah. um, or biscuits. Okay. So. She gets her seat. She, she pays the DUP a billion pounds to support her in Parliament. let disgraceful. Let's, let's, let's skip on a bit because she's now, for, she's now formed a government and she's going ahead. And, you know, things look OK at the start because the EU perfectly agree early on that they'll both guarantee the citizens rights in, an, in, each, con- in each other countries. And then we get the backstop and then she makes her deal. And it, the deal basically all revolves around this backstop. And she thinks, right, OK, I've got a deal. Let's go to Chequers. It's the 6th of July, Mm. 2017. She takes her cabinet to to Chequers for a lovely little smash-up weekend. um, And and they think, right, let's iron out all the details in this deal. Let's get it properly so we've got the support of of the DUP and everyone so that we can go into Parliament and say, right, here's my deal. Let's vote for it. Let's get Brexit done, as the slogan later became known. However, Bojo and and David Davis, the current Brexit Secretary, don't like the deal. Because it turns out they weren't happy. Because it turns out behind the scenes, David Davis was being overruled by civil servants. Because the Theresa May decided that civil servants should do the negotiation and have more of a hierarchical power over people like the Brexit Secretary David Davis. So people like Ollie Robbins in the civil service were tasked with almost doing the negotiations, which meant that we had this deal with the backstop, which meant part of the UK was still basically essential subject to eu rules and legislation so davis and bojo say right that's it we're out and this is where the trouble starts really isn't it
3: it it definitely is and and it's interesting you mentioned that ministerial theme because during the cameron years they were saying about and they were pushing the idea that ministers should have less power. uh, And they should devolve their power down, say in the NHS, they should devolve the power down to the NHS executives. But then when in the Brexit situation, uh, the same kind of theme happened where it was the civil servants who were dealing with Brexit who had more power over David Davis, the Brexit secretary. And that caused a lot of tension. And David Davis, probably, I don't blame him, rightly so. His only cabinet position, I think, or any significant one he ever had, uh, he thought, well, this is perfect time to jump ship. I've been a cabinet secretary. I don't particularly want to have to deal with this. I'm being overruled. <laughs> I can just join the, uh, the big hardliners now. Yeah. And, and, and you can't blame him for that because it, what, a, what a task it was that they all had to deal with.
2: Mm-hmm. Harry, you're, what, what do you kind of... It, it, is, was Checkers and Davis and, and Boris Johnson resigning? Was that the, the, the turning point for the downfall of May? Eh?
0: No, no, it was no turning point. It was just a uh, personification of the failure it was a failure from the second that she'd messed up the snap election i think that when she put a cabinet together she tried to be intelligent by well, putting the power in the hands she, of her greatest rivals well, yeah she
2: tried to do it almost 50 50 didn't she she tried to have a 50 50 of brexiteers and remainers in the hope that they'd organize a, an, a a sweet little compromisable deal which of course is not necessarily what the public wanted
3: she yes. very interestingly kept her enemies close, but, but put her uh, enemies in the positions that held a lot of responsibility. Like for
0: places. Chancellor.
3: <laughs> for responsibility. Yeah,
0: oh, well, God. that that's something that is done a lot in politics uh, internationally. But it, I would say it probably did backfire for her, because in her position, what she should have done is had people backing her to do things her way, because what she really needed to do was get Brexit sorted out efficiently but it wasn't efficient it was a lot of dawdling it was a lot of redoing of redrafting and obviously that's why we ended up not getting Brexit I'll say done in inverted comments until 2020 so I think
3: the biggest reason why she couldn't get Brexit done was simply from the 2017 general election result, because as soon as she didn't have a proper working majority and that she lost, not only did it hurt her reputation and her ability to uh, hold a firm ground in the negotiations, have a firm mandate, like Boris got more of one, she just couldn't deliver on the numbers to get her bill through. And I think if she had a majority, ironically, she would have had way more people vote for her Brexit deal because because everybody knew that her Brexit deal wasn't going to go through and because the backbench uh, hard, uh, hard levers, rightly or wrongly, were able to put lots of pressure to have a properly hard deal, they could join in and they held a lot of sway. So then they could therefore make Brexit not happen and push her to have uh, a proper Brexit. Whereas if she had a, a, a fair majority... Maybe everybody would have thought, well, we may as well just get on this bandwagon and get it over and done with. And then they might have got it out of the way before the next general election came.
0: And you might have a point there um, as well, because if you look at the result of the last election and let's be completely honest here, her final deal and the deal that been passed is not massively different
2: at all well, it's, it's not but uh, the yeah. the main the main it's not you know it's the same rules around you know the transition period absolutely the the, the divorce payment although the actual divorce payment is not the thirty nine billion it's estimated to be more around thirty two um because it took into situation funds um but at the minute as we've as we're learning every billion is going to count um <laughs> but you know it's a bro- 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 still and we'll talk about this in 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 the other parts of the of this series but it, it does kind of differ on the slight points and the main point was always going to be the backstop and when you rely on support from the dup who are a unionist party for northern ireland being in the united kingdom but you separate them in terms of eu customs rules from the rest of great britain they're never going to support that and when you rely on that support to pass you know to pass this withdrawal agreement through parliament and to, be, to eventually become law it's never ever going to work and, and at the end of the day, that, that, was that, that was that. But let's kind of move away from the specific timelines of what happened during this Brexit saga. OK, I'm just going to say a few things to you about things that went on. And let's have a little, um, let's have a little chat and see what we think. OK, so the first thing I'm going to say is the People's Vote campaign. What are our honest thoughts on that campaign? Harry, let's start with you.
0: OK, I think... I expected it when it was going on and you'll remember this I expected it to actually do better than it ended up doing I thought that despite however you feel about it I thought it would probably end up getting a bit more support but actually I think it was probably you know it was spoken about a lot in the media but it didn't end up doing much did it <laughs> if you really think about it in
2: the end, I think I think in the end it, it portrayed itself as in my personal opinion what it was which was a bunch of People from London who maybe worked in the city, or people who were middle class or above, who liked the European Union for all its for all its kind of benefits, because simply they they never felt the negative effects that some that people argued there were. You know, they weren't. None of these people are fishermen who who felt the effects of EU regulations. None of these people are farmers. None of these are people that have, that have felt the regulations which forced so many people to vote against the EU. And so, of course, they're always going to be for. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it's easy to see the marches and, you know, people say, oh, look how many millions of people march. Well, it's mainly because they're all probably living in London anyway and they had to jump on a 10 minute t- tube train to actually get to the march. Tom,
3: this is how I see it. The referendums broke representative democracy and went down to direct democracy. So it took the hands off the MPs and gave it to the people and the people voted and the people's vote was tight. Um, the Scottish referendum came out fifty-five percent to
2: stay. For example, is it tight um, when we're talking about a million people difference? A million uh, in people terms different.
3: of percentages, it it was fairly tight. But, but, assume- but hang
2: on. But, but can I just take you back to the day of that the that night of the referendum and Lib Dem MP saying, okay, at the end of the day, this happened. We must respect this. Jeremy Corbyn the day after saying, yes, okay, it's done. We must respect this. Well, that's and exactly then going right. back on their word.
3: So that's exactly right. And they, after it went to the people, uh, the power resu- was taken back up by Parliament. Parliament voted uh, to pass Article 50. We're going to leave. And therefore, we're all committed to it. And all of the uh, parties, the main parties, I think, stood on the acceptance that Brexit had to happen. So the power was back in the representative democracy. So the people who were vote, uh, who were arguing for a people's vote were saying, look, people can change our minds. We're two years down the line um, and we've not got anywhere. We want to change our mind." And the argument they gave was not greatly strong in terms of how government system works, because representative democracy had to decide to bring the vote back down to the Direct democracy and if there was a general election and in the general election a party that says we're going to give people uh, The choice back and they won fair enough Um, But because the power was in Parliament and Parliament decided that they were going to crack on with Brexit I think it made the people's vote in my personal opinion not necessarily relevant. However, if in 2019 again as i said uh, a party that wanted a people's vote won. then that would justify going back down to direct democracy but that's not how living in a representative democracy works and as a result since we voted brexit the best thing to do instead of going for a, like a, a soft half in half out uh we don't have any say in the eu but we still you know uh, are a laden we like the worst of all worlds we may as well if we're going to go on with brexit get the positives of Brexit by having a decent deal and Theresa May got into that she really tapped into that but she couldn't perform on that uh, not only because of her negotiation problems but the fact that there was no majority for any decision at all in all of the indicative votes just before.
2: Ah, Right We'll we'll come on to indicative votes in a very short while but first it's advert time. Hey Thomas, did you see that YouGov poll where only 30% of British people said they trusted the mainstream media? No I haven't, but I'm not surprised. It seems that many people think the media's
3: rigged against their side. If only there was a site that encouraged different views and topics to be discussed all in one place.
2: Well worry no more because we've created our very own impressive and thought-provoking platform.
3: The Political Natter blog is putting a plethora of people's personal opinions back into the perplexing pool of politics.
2: Go to politicalnatter.wordpress.com. Buy students for everyone. Now, 2018 for Theresa May was essentially just a lot of this.
1: We're leaving the European Union on the 29th of March 2019. And we will leave the EU on the 29th of March 2019. On the 29th of March 2019. 29th of March 2019. Prime Minister has been very clear that we are leaving the EU on the 29th of March 2019. On the 29th of March 2019, come what may. Actually, we are going to leave on the 29th of March 2019. Yeah. Yeah. But as we
2: turn into 2019, that fateful year, three months to go until, by Theresa May's standards, we leave, things start to get up a bit. And as Chris Eubank likes to say...
1: Let me add a little bit of spice to that.
2: Because 15th of January, 2019, just two weeks into the new year, Jeremy Corbyn calls a no-confidence vote on the government, leading to a speech uh, from his part by Tom watson and a bashing speech by michael gove on jeremy corbyn <laughs> as oh, a whole ridiculous. in which <laughs> and theresa may survives that no confidence vote she survives it it's not necessarily straightforward from there because jacob rees mock is now quite well involved at this point he's the yeah. leader of the european research group and he's his opinion is is changing quite a lot because yeah after it is no... At the time of the no-confidence vote, he's saying things like this.
1: I support the government. I don't support its withdrawal agreement.
2: Then, as time goes on, he starts to believe another view.
1: I think a coup is when you use illegitimate procedures to try and overturn somebody who is in office. This is working through the procedures of the Conservative Party. And
2: at this point he he is pushing for no confidence from the 1922 committee and this is and while this is all going on Theresa May is also having to deal with another big uprising. Ladies and gentlemen It's new. It's special. It's the independent group for change. It's the independent group for change. What on earth was that about?
3: Change UK. Oh, no, no, we can't do that. We're going to get sued. This is the thing. As I was saying earlier, if Change UK tapped into the second uh, referendum thing, uh, which Labour were dithering around on, and I'm not really sure what the Lib Dems were doing. They wanted it by that point.
2: They just wanted to stop Brexit, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah, so so they'd, they'd kind of gone off the, the idea. I don't know. They'd gone confusing. off the rails, I think. <laughs> but basically, if they'd have... They tapped into that part of politics and they knew that there was um, some hunger there. And if they'd have won, if they'd have won, of course, you'd go back to the people. And who knows? It may have been a Remain vote at that time because it was such a hard situation. People didn't think it was possible. and And that's a really key thing because... That whole heady time in the 2018, 2019, uh, early twenty nineteens, people maybe were thinking, oh, we just want to give up and end this. Or maybe some people were thinking, let's just crack on with it and p- leave properly. It's very difficult to And this, ju- is,
2: this is where, obviously, the independent group for change basically came in because may had always pushed this idea of no deal was better than a bad deal.
3: And if they won, then... Then, of course, there could have been another referendum and who knows what would have happened. But, were they,
2: it, but... It, it, they were never going to they were never going to win. This was just a, this was just an idea for this was just a big kind of publicity stunt by people like Anna Soubry to make a name for themselves. And uh, because they, I think at that point, people genuinely thought that there would be some kind of second forever referendum and remained would win. And Anna Soubry would be able to paint herself as his big look at me. I'm a hero figure. Look what I've saved the UK from. But it didn't exactly go like that, Harry.
3: They definitely no. would never. Have been I mean, uh, one of the
0: key things that we've just said is that Lib Dems were the party of Stop Brexit, and <clears throat> I mean the Independent Group claimed that they were the party of the second referendum, but I disagree. I think they were the party of Remain, and so they weren't fighting for democratic reasons. I don't think. I think they were fighting for an ideology, and so for that reason, they were always going to be overshadowed by the Lib Dems, who were already well established in UK politics. And then obviously, um, Labour, as you say, were toying kind of with the idea of the second referendum as well. And so obviously, when you had the antithesis, which was the Brexit party, who obviously won, and then you had, but the Remain vote was so fragmented, they were always going to do badly. So uh, I think it was just, I think a lot of uh, them will wish they could put it behind them, wish they'd never done it. I mean, Chucker and Munna then leapfrogged into the Lib Dems straight away. So it was an That's interesting time, for sure. Um, I don't. I think looking back in retrospect, I understand more the second referendum. I understand more. I understand why it was desired more because we'd had a very kind of dithering it, it was a Theresa bumpy May road. government. Absolutely, bumpy road. But as I said, as Tom said, a lot of people, a lot of people wanted to crack on, and uh, so that's the way that went.
3: Yeah. and definitely, let's. It's, it's worth mentioning that in our first past the post system there was absolutely no chance they'd have got anywhere close uh, if it was if it was more of a kind of uh, proportional representation they would have done better but when we looked at the general election results and the polling they were really not doing very well themselves but the remain vote was reasonably high which is interesting
2: oh, definitely and tommy g you said it earlier the indicative votes. This is April 2019. Okay. Parliament Can't. is Parliament's in a deadlock. Okay. The news have it. The news have it. The news have it. They won't agree on Theresa May's deal. So she goes, you know what? Fine. Parliament, you actually tell me what kind of a deal that you would actually pass. Yeah. Because she, at this point, is still kind of. Her, the, she's had to ask an extension to Article 50. So at this point, opinion polls for the Conservative Party are already dropping because they've they've missed the deadline, okay? So Donald Tusk has agreed uh, to an extension until July, I think. Wasn't it April or something? They had to make a decision and it'd be leaving in July or May or whatever it was. So she goes, right, indicative vote. You tell me what you want. I'll go to the EU. They'll probably accept it at this late stage and we'll get it passed. And I'll
3: leave. I'll do anything. Please just pass.
2: exactly. And even on oh, the date, no, the, even on the, the day she, she puts it to the she gets them to be fair, she gets the most votes for a deal that she's ever had, but only because of the promise she would leave and resign if it passed, but it still didn't pass. So she's been a bit of a pickle. So she says, <laughs> Right, okay, indicative votes. House of Commons, please tell me what you want. And they go, We don't really know to be honest.
3: Well that's it. Uh she'd, she'd taken so much uh flack and, and, and so much uh moaning from all sides about, oh, you're not doing this, and why can't you just get on with Brexit? From every different angle, she's just surrounded and she's like, right, sorry, you sort it out, and they couldn't do that, and the reason why they couldn't do that was because even though on the 23rd of June 2016, the result came out with 52% nearly of people voting leave. That was not the case in Parliament. The people that they voted in Parliament did not have the same view. There was a um, difference between the thought of the representative democracy and the direct democracy. And that's not necessarily a problem, because normally, the representative democracy, the MPs make the decisions on their behalf. But in this case, there were some people that were following their ideology. There were some people who changed their mind and said, OK, right, we've got to get on with Brexit, but I want a soft one. There were some people saying, oh, we need a proper hard one and Theresa May's deal is not good enough. It wasn't a binary choice. There was no chance with her only having slightly over 326, the key number of seats, with the DUP's help to get it through. She, that split in so many different parts that none of them could decide on anything. And the only way to sort that was to get rid of Theresa Get rid of the Remain MPs, as Boris did, and have a general election. But it was really screwed that that in Parliament, and people felt very frustrated with the whole situation.
2: Harry, what are your thoughts on the indicative votes? And actually, a point I wanted to also make is: what was your view, Harry, on not just the indicative votes, but Burko's role, Speaker Burko, his his role mm. in the whole process in terms of selecting amendments, which weren't necessarily he necessarily didn't necessarily pick a variation in thought from the house of commons for amendments it was all a case of i'll pick loads of amendments for the kind of the pro remain from the pro remain mps rather than amendments from people like the the erg had put forward Order. um
0: i think well first on the indicative votes i think even the mps were confused i don't <laughs> think anyone really knew what was going on what I a think, waste of time.
2: Wasn't the closest one? They, didn't they get one vote off or yes. something? Yes. Was it a yeah, union? was a customs union. Yeah, that was Ken Clark's amendment to stay and in the I customs have to be, union. I mean, at the time, like
0: even I wanted to th- that to pass because I was just looking at it thinking, you know what, if it can be done, let's just do it. And I think that's what most of the country were probably saying at that time. I
2: don't, I don't know. I, I, I still think, at the end of the day, I still think people were thinking, we just need to kind of. I think at that point, it the the country, and the majority of the Brexit vote, country hadn't turned against had, had, had turned against Theresa May. They hadn't necessarily turned against the Conservative Party. And, yeah. and we saw. So, uh. sorry, sorry to cut you short on that, Harry. But if we kind of switch maybe to the European elections and the Brexit Party and the rise. Oh uh, yeah. Obviously, they won. They they became the biggest party in the European single party in the European Parliament. They won the European elections in in the UK. And that showed that was a big protest from conservative supporters, from Brexit supporters, to to Nigel Farage. When uh, I saw I mean...
3: those results, I was having my doubts as to whether people were still in it for Brexit. And the fact that so many people voted against the the Tories and so many people voted for the Brexit Party, I think that that solidified to me that actually there was still a big hunger for. Not just leaving on half-and-half terms where I think you'd have had a situation where nobody was satisfied. Um, They had to, the Conservative Party, to save their own skin, had to uh, go for a proper Brexit somehow.
2: Because Theresa May had already announced that she was going to resign. On the 22nd of April, the 70 Conservatives had signed the petition saying she had got no confidence. Theresa May then resigned a day later. And she said she'd obviously stay for the Trump visit and, and whatnot. And, and, and you know, they basically waited until um, they'd elected a new leader, which was on uh, the 23rd of July when Boris Johnson comes in, which we'll get on to later on. But obviously well, we all were see-
3: empowering to all of that stuff.
2: Where to start? I mean, it was such a whirlwind.
0: With the European elections, I would say I do agree to a point that it was against Theresa May, uh, but I think Theresa May and her government had shown such a high degree of incompetence. And it was they did things so wanted poorly. To go. Yeah. And I think, like, things obviously, things had gone on um, in 2019, like the Windrush scandal and so on, which had turned people away and crime, rights were go- crime rates were going up. But things like that weren't even mattering that much because Brexit had just become almost the sole reason to vote in an election, which o- honestly, I definitely think carried through into December. But I think her resigning was the right thing to do. If she'd carried on even further, I think it would have been like Groundhog
3: Day. The domestic violence bill was the only thing she really managed to get through. And it, it's sad. Because and that's only, and that's only just said,
2: passed in the last few weeks anyway. That's only had its final yeah, reading right. in the last few weeks anyway. That's
3: exactly it. And uh, and it's a shame that we didn't get to see exactly what Theresa May had the potential for. And this is what Ken Clark said.
1: It's hardly a triumphant premiership and we'll never know what she would have been like if she'd been given the chance to govern the country in ordinary times and get on with the, the, the social policies and the other policies that uh, really interest her. Uh, but she should be regarded as probably the unluckiest Prime Minister that we've had, I think.
2: But unfortunately, Tom, Clark might have said this, but unfortunately, on the steps of Downing Street, Theresa May only had this to say.
1: It is now clear to me that it is in the best interests of the country for a new Prime Minister to lead that effort. So I am today announcing that I will resign as leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party on Friday the 7th of June, so that a successor can be chosen. I have done everything I can to convince MPs to back that deal. Sadly, I have not been able to do so. I tried three times. I will shortly leave the job that it has been the honour of my life to hold. The second female Prime Minister but certainly not the last. I do so with no ill will, but with enormous and enduring gratitude to have had the opportunity to
3: serve the country I love. That whole speech was actually fairly reasonable. And you could see that, you know, the poor guy, go- she admit, aged though, about 10 even, years even, in three.
2: Even though I, even though, you know, I, I just I wasn't a, personally. You know, I wasn't a fan of, of of her as a prime minister. I think naturally, when somebody like that, you know, you can see that out of a situation like Brexit, she probably would have been a, a decent prime minister. Um, but you know, and that that will leave some to disagree. But you got, you, I did have to feel a little bit emotional for her. And don't worry, I, I was glad she was. I, I was glad personally that she was going. When she did kind of crack, it was a bit kind of, oh, well, you know, a bit feeling sorry for you. But then you quickly do realise at the end of the day, you, you, you know, if you're not up to the job. Well, then, you know, at the end of the day, we, if we go all the way back and almost come full circle on Theresa May's leadership, you know, it was almost like it was only, the only reason she was really prime minister was because, like you say, um, Boris was almost seen to be this. He'd led the Leave campaign. He, he was going to be seen as OK. Well, he, Brexit has got done. David Cameron's resigned. Well, then he led it sh- probably sh- the surely, surely, you know, you should then become the leader. He he kind of gone again. He then stepped down from that leadership race when Michael Gove came in. Yep. That was kind of a bit of stabbing in the back from Michael Gove. Andrea Leadsom and Theresa May were then the top two. Andrea Leadsom was a Brexit supporter anyway during the Brexit campaign. But then but the then... Foot. She, she kind of said on her little campaign that um, she's not as good as me because she doesn't have children. And then that's it. Oh, yeah, that's right. had a field day with that. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe what she said was, maybe what she said, you know, whether you believe it's true or not, uh, maybe it was a bit sad that actually if you had had uh, Andrea Ledson, things might have got a different way. In hindsight, no, we I never don't know. Think,
3: I, I think, well, at least... I it's it's really hard. The key problem was 2017 general election. That's what, from then, she was destined to have an impossible so, time. When something- she rose to the leadership, it might have been, that say, if Boris won, they might have got a similar, they, they might have been in a similar situation as to now, but they certainly wouldn't have been such a big majority. And we'd be coming up to the general election, if not, we'd just already had it now. So who knows what could have happened.
2: But yeah, so are we are you in agreement with Tom then harry that it all went for wrong for Theresa may simply when she snapped, when she called that snap general election uh
0: yeah to a degree i think that it was destined for failure um mostly because of her weak leadership but also because she
3: did have flaws she,
0: absolutely she did and she wasn't she was the antithesis of what she claimed to be she was definitely not strong and stable but she did have some brilliant
2: dance moves <laughs> Well, Ooh, yes. from a dancing queen to one of those nightmare dreams, it wasn't the best of premierships for Theresa May as Prime Minister.
0: Order!
1: Order!
2: And that is the Burko Bell. Oh. It's time to end this part of the podcast. But while we may have gone from this...
1: Oh, goodness me. Um, I, well, I suppose the uh, Gosh, I have to confess when me and my friends sort of used to run through the fields of wheat...
2: going to go to this great supine protoplasmic invertebrate jellies this man boris johnson wins the conservative leadership election this is in the next part of the podcast make sure you don't miss it for our second part of our trip down memory lane of how brexit got done thank you for listening to me thomas and harry make sure you join us for the next one
3: natter with us next time on the political natter